What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I sit down with Max Hansen. Max is an American tattoo artist who tattoos out of Deep Sea Tattoo in Redondo Beach, California, and Midtown Tattoo in Los Angeles, California. He grew up in Hermosa Beach, California, and had the unique opportunity to apprentice under legendary tattoo artists who many consider the godfather of black and gray tattoos, owner of the world-famous Shamrock Social Club in Hollywood, California, Mark Mahoney. Max truly earned his right to tattoo under the eyes of the world's most sought-after artists, anchoring himself as a go-to artist with a unique, clean style that lends itself to his lifelong appreciation for tradition. I've had the pleasure of getting tattooed by Max. I appreciate his mastery and had an absolute blast doing this episode. If you want to work with Max on a concept, you can find his contact information in the show notes along with links to our sponsor. Without further ado, the immensely talented Max Hansen. Thank you so much for finally joining me. We've been playing phone tag for uh, literally months, actually, maybe even a year, but I'm so stoked to have you on here. Yeah, stoked to be here, man. It's, I know it's been uh, it's been hard to uh, get the scheduling down, but uh, now we're finally here. I'm so honored to be here, man. Stoked to talk to you. Yeah, I um, there's so many things that I wanted to talk about. There's parallels in both of our lives that of our interests that we have, but one thing that stuck out to me a lot about things I've read about you are also just talking to you while while I get tattooed is this idea of like holding on to tradition. And it stuck out to me because this social media age of tattooing seems very interesting. Like I've, I became exposed to tattoos around, you know, 15, 16, it was older friends of mine that were, that I thought were cool, had tattoos. And I always wanted to like emulate them. And it was way before social media even existed. How do you maintain tradition in the art of tattoo at the same time that it spreads at the rate that it does now? It's hard, you know, the floodgates have definitely been opened. Traditions, one of those things in tattooing that I hold dear is I went through a formal apprenticeship. I did it how I perceived to be the right way. Now, in my early years, I definitely can admit that I looked down on people for uh, not going the route that I did and not that I, it wasn't like an elitist standpoint. It was just that that was the only way that I saw how you could get into tattooing, especially because social via, media. Via apprenticeship. Exactly. Finding, you know, someone that you admired or looked up to or even just a shop that you kind of vibed with. You know, you liked the people there or you liked, you know, the style of tattooing that they did. And you just hung around until they kind of said, like, you want to hang out more and clean up and <laughs> make it official. And it's weird because it's never even really official. You just kind of do what you're told and hang out until they say like, yeah, you're, you're with us, you know, but social media has definitely changed that because, you know, when I started getting tattoos, even kind of like how you said, you had older friends, I was, you know, into punk and stuff like that and yeah. skating and all my friends had, you know, outlines that they got in County and stuff like that. And it was like, that looks cool. So you just had to walk into a shop. And, you know, ask for a tattoo or look at the portfolios and you got what you got. And not in the sense of it was bad that way, but it's just kind of like that was the community was so tight knit that the only way you would see work from other people, other shops, other states, other countries even were tattoo conventions. So it was still right. a very personal art. And I still feel like it is personal, you know, like one to one, you have conversations while you're getting tattooed. You're there for a while. But nowadays you can look up a tattooer on Instagram 
and uh, they don't necessarily have to have been in a shop. They could just have a studio. You know, it's still a sterile place. It's still a sterile environment. And you can learn a lot from looking at a style that you saw. I feel like if you do something long enough, unless you're completely not meant to do it, you get decent right. at it. Growing up, my my dad built houses, and uh, I always think about the builder track. You have to learn how to build a house from someone that knows carpentry, because there's just there's like inherent things that you pick up by practicing over and over and over and over again. And you know, when my dad learned how to do carpentry, YouTube didn't exist, but I would imagine it's got to be like you're on a job site and some guy comes up and he's like, "Cool, let's frame walls." And you're like, well, where do you learn how to frame? Like, I, I watch some videos on YouTube how to frame. I, I understand angles and geometry and like it, we can do it. There's something that's just missing there. It's hard to put it into words what you miss out on when you decide to teach yourself how to do something. Someone who's done it for that long, like, you know, I apprenticed for Mark Mahoney. He's one of the most, I could say, famous tattooers, probably. He's pioneered fine lines. But when I started working at Shamrock back in 2012, no, 2010 is when I started working there. There was still no Instagram. That shop was famous by word of mouth. Made that empire just by word of mouth. And right. someone who's tattooed for so many years and so many people and just been so many places, you pick up on little things that, like you said, you know, you can't just watch a YouTube video and be like, oh, now I know how to do single needle tattooing. It's like there's so much trial and error. And even here, you know, like construction, you can't really do trial and error. Too, too much because then your reputation is there. So yeah, I think that like a lot of people think that they're going to bypass the apprenticeship by saying like, well, I don't need to do that. Not necessarily like I'm better than that or above it, but you know, it's hard work and it's tattooing and apprenticeships have been known to be like abusive, you get yelled at a lot and it's long hours, you know, 14, 15 hour days of sitting in a shop. So I can understand why someone wouldn't want to go through it. But is it, do you think, like, now that you're on this side of it, I mean, you've been tattooing for years, you you yeah. did go through this whole apprenticeship process, and like you said, you were able to do this under arguably the most famous grayscale artist of all time, right? So that's not something that money can buy. It, no one would ever be able to sell someone that, right? So it's no. this invaluable experience. 100%. And the tattooers that I've met through that, through that shop, made friends with, the, you know, a lot of people, I think, equate success to social media these days and the following you have and it's and validation. But like the validation that I got from real life experience from working at the shop and from tattooers that I looked up to that now, you know, know who I am on a first name basis, that is infinitely more valuable than any kind of validation I could get from a couple hundred likes on a photo. Because that to me is still the reality of stranger can see the picture on Instagram and be like, oh, this guy's good. But until that transitions into someone then seeing that coming in, getting a tattoo and meeting you in real life, it doesn't matter until that point. Real quick, if you think back to those original days, talk to me about early days of being at, at Shamrock. Like here you are, you're young Max, you're interested in tattooing. You're not yet started in the apprentice, like you haven't become an apprentice or started that. I can just imagine that's got to be like a... <laughs> very like teenage angst filled situation. It reminds me of, you know, when I was a kid and, and you're in your like little skate crew and you just yeah. loiter the skate shop endlessly. And the older guys that work there, they're like, all right, cool. Do a kickflip. I'll give you like a sticker. They're always trying to kind of shoo you away, but that's where the skate videos were being played. That's where all the cool gear was. It was like, I was obsessed with 
being there and almost, I mean, admittedly, you're trying to like be cool to these dudes that you look up to who like rip at the park, but you're annoying as hell because you're like 13 and no one wants you around. <laughs> it's a hundred percent like that. I mean, it's just, a, the, you got to have some sort of weed, way to weed out quitters. You know what I mean? It can't be as easy as like you walk in and be like, oh, you look cool enough. Like come hang out with us. You know, like you got to make it tough to the point. Like if someone's going to quit from being, it made a little difficult at first, yeah. you know, in the first couple months, then they're not going to last for the longevity of tattooing. You know, you get into tattooing to do it for the rest of your life. It's what were like some a, of those, uh, like pushbacks? Oh, I mean, the so the first day, first day I, I like got hired. I mean, I remember when one of the tattooers there, Andrew, I was getting tattooed by him and he was like, Oh, Wu's about to finish his apprenticeship, you know, like, so we need someone to hang out. Do you think he'd be interested? Cause they knew I had an interest in tattooing and I like jumped on the opportunity and I was treating it like a job interview. I was like calling him like every other day. I was like, so what's up? Like, am I going to come hang out? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Like, hold on, hold on. You know? So like for two weeks I called every day and then it was like, yeah, you know, Mark says it's cool. Like come by and talk to him and then like, you know, we'll see what's up. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. If you enjoy this podcast and the guests that I have on, you can support it by checking out my amazing sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I've always been a firm believer that health starts at the cellular level. From my competitive years as an athlete to my day-to-day physical output, starting my morning with an overload of valuable nutrients is the only way to go. And with my weekly output of jujitsu and surfing and strength training, cellular nutrition is non-negotiable for me because I need every leg up that I can get, which is why I won't skip on ingredients and quality. No mystery chemicals, false promises, just pure AG1. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, and it tastes good. And it costs less than $3 a day. Look, if you put in the work, you need to reward your body. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Abe. Again, that's athleticgreens.com A-B-E to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What are you like, Dan? What should I, what should I wear? I got to put on my like coolest shoes. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it, it was a while ago, so I can't really fully remember what like I wore that day, but I know it was like, I didn't, you know, I was like, I was wearing sleeveless black flag shirts and cut off dickies to like school and stuff. So it was like, I got to put yeah. pants on today, you know? But, um, I remember I showed up and, uh, so Wu, he's, he's like showing me, he's like, all right, this is how you set up. And he like, it literally was like five minutes of like, this is what you do. And I'm like trying to remember all of it. So you're and actually it's like, helping boom, him you're now. Yeah. Like, like in the frying pan, like just this is saran wrap, you know, this is how you wrap someone up. This is how you answer the phone. Boom. Now I got to get to work. He was just cause he was doing a tattoo. So there was, <laughs> there's this one tattooer there, Wade, who is like notorious for just like, giving it to like the helpers you know i was like he looked at me up he looked me up and down you know like the yep. like you got any tattoos and i was like yeah i got this one on my arm and he's like all right i was like oh shit this Damn. is like the real deal over here <laughs> but um you know like yeah that day and then you know one of the other tattooers he sends me to the store and i i remember because i just turned 21 he's like his client he's like go give me a bottle of belvedere and i was like okay I go to the liquor store and I'm like, what's Belvedere? Like I was so like, you know, I just turned 21. I was like, I don't know brands of vodka then, 
So I'm just like, I tell that to the guy and I come back and I'm like, well, like I'm doing it. Like I'm getting, I'm going to get booze and cigarettes. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> and then, yeah, you know, it's like, there's days where you think you're doing it. And then there's days where like you, you, there's like dust on a speck of dust on something and you get chewed out, you know? So like you said, you know, you hang out at the skate shop, everyone's giving you a hard time making some run to the store. Everyone always asks what an apprenticeship like, and it's really just saying yes. Yeah. Just being there and saying yes, just being accountable. And I think one of the things too, because I've had a hard time actually just retaining helpers at shops these days. And I think a lot of people don't want to deal with that kind of work, which I get. And it's not like it's made to like, I don't I'm not just sending someone to the store for a bottle of water just because I can. It's more so that like, this is the, this is the job. And when you get to the point of being a tattooer, you understand the reasons why you're made to do those like little menial tasks because tattooing is itself. You have to have an attention to detail. And it's like those little things like um, that same tattooer weighed that one day. I went to subway for him and he's like, I want to ice tea with extra ice. And it was like, it was like 90 degrees in Hollywood that day. So I'm like walking, it's like four blocks away. I walk back with a thing and he just shakes the cup. He's like, is that extra ice? I was like, yeah, you just like, (laughs) you know, but it's like those little things and you'll never forget not to get extra ice ever again. You know, there's something again, I think there's something to that in any art and I, you could expand that out to, to mean different things. There is a benefit and a value to going slow. I feel like right now everyone wants everything so fast. You know, they want, they don't want to wait in line. Yeah. They don't want to you know, their career to take a long time to take off. They don't want to learn. They want to skip their spot. They want more. And when that's the approach, you miss out on all these, like those experiences that you're talking about at the time, it's like, man, fuck this guy. I exercise in the cup. You know, I'm, I'm above this is what it kind of feels like. But then you reflect on those now and it probably gives you some kind of appreciation and understanding for, for what you do that you never would have gotten if it was like that. And like you said, it's for life. Just like a tattoo is forever. It's like yeah. you, you chose to do this as a career because you love it. So what is, I don't know how long the apprenticeship was, but what is that amount of time in the lifetime of a person? It's literally nothing. But when someone's trying yeah, to like 100%. skate in the door and, you know, basically looking at it like a, I don't know, like a hostess job, you're not a hostess. Yeah. You're a, You're trying to learn a craft that is, difficult yeah i mean i couldn't have said it better especially because when you teach someone how to tattoo technically you're taking money out of your own pocket because there's only so many pieces of the pie to go around there's only so many people getting tattoos and there's only so many tattooers that can do the tattoos so when you teach someone how to tattoo you're technically saying like okay this person is going to potentially take a client away from me one day and, and not in a bad way like i wouldn't hold someone back and be like, Oh yeah, that's my person to tattoo. You can't tattoo them. But I mean, in reality, if you look at it in a monetary sense, that's the truth. So to spend, to dedicate your time and what you've learned passed down to someone, if they're in six months going to say, Oh, I'm above going to get, pick up food for you, you know, then yeah, this isn't the job for you. You know, it's, it's not supposed to be easy. It's as from the outside perspective, as fun as tattooing looks like, Oh, you're sitting around drawing pictures all day. It's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot goes into it. You, you put your sweat and blood into, <laughs> not literally, but <laughs> into creating something for someone, <laughs> yeah, into creating something for someone that they're going to wear for the rest of their life, hopefully with pride and your name is attached to that. So everything aside, like you, 
you're on your mental, you know, there's mental stress on creating the perfect tattoo every time. It's not just uh, something that you can say like, oh, I'm going to do the fun job. I'm going to be a tattooer. And then you get into it and you're like, this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. And there's days where there's good days and bad days, just like any kind of career, you know. And they say, uh, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I think it's more so like yeah, you work you're going to work day, every but... day. You're going to work nine days a week if you do what you love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you feel like there's a, like with, okay, so tattoos, you know, my whole life, the, the holdback or, or like my hesitation with them before I started getting tattoos was, you know, this is on here forever. That's actually what was in my mind is that this will never come off of my body no matter what. And in hindsight, there's a couple of times that I'm really, really glad I didn't go through with tattoos that I had been like, you know, workshopping in my head only to find out later that now there's tattoo removal, which to me just seems like the, the whole thing, like the the core of it is like you're committing to this piece of artwork that's like you said, you know, time has been put into it by the artist to make something that's lifelong. And then you, whether you're, you're getting it for the art side of it or the meaning side of it, you should give a shit about it too, that you want it on your body the rest of your life. And now there's just this, Oh, well, it can be a henna tattoo. Like, how does that change the industry? How does that change the way that you approach art? And does that change the way that you take on potential clients, we'll say? I'm going to start to answer that question by something that I was just actually just talking about yesterday. I'm not going to plug the shop or name the shop, but it's become to my, uh, me and my friend's attention lately that there's now a tattoo shop that does disappearing tattoos. What? what well, hold on. Um, not to stop you. What is that? <laughs> It's exactly what it sounds. It's to I'll put it in the terms that I like to put it. It's a poorly done tattoo that uses some sort of ink that fades. In so about it's a actually and applied and done as a real tattoo with a gun. It just doesn't yes. last with it. Yeah. Tat, tattoo machine. And then, yeah, it, uh, it fades. So I know someone who's got one and their reason for it was they weren't sure if they wanted a big tattoo on a, visible area and that answers part of your question to me it, my whole my whole idea of getting tattooed is yes it's permanent like if you're gonna put something on your neck or your hand you better be sure that that's what you want or where you want to put it when i was taught tattooing one of the um guys that helped me out a lot in my career rick walters he did his first tattoo in like 1950 wow. he's been around he my friend louie put it to me like Rick has forgotten more about tattooing in his lifetime than I'll ever wow, know. Wow, that's well put. It was it's a great quote. But when people would walk in, because you would do walk-ins at Shamrock every Monday, if they wanted something on their hand or their neck and they weren't covered in tattoos, yeah. he wouldn't do it. And that perspective has changed a lot drastically in the last few years with the rise of social media. I think it contributes to a lot of young kids getting you know, popular, whether it's through music and art, any other way, but they don't make money in the traditional sense right. of like a nine to five job. So they can get their hands and their necks and their faces tattooed. Whereas, you know, if you're 18 and you get something on your face as your first tattoo, you're probably going <laughs> to regret it at some point. Yeah. In life. Maybe you won't, but I mean, when I was 18, I thought, yeah, I'm, this is cool. I'm, I don't want a real job. I'll just get my face tattooed. But 
you know, you might <laughs> turn 30 and realize that you want a retirement and like some health <laughs> benefits and you might not want to get your face tattooed. Yeah. So I think going to the tattoo removal question, traditional removal with laser, it's not fun. It's painful. I've had it done before. It's not as easy as just like, oh, I'll get it removed. There's certain things that if it's, if it's done correctly or incorrectly, even if it's done, like if the tattoo's blown out and it's too deep, a laser is never going to get it out of your skin. So I think removal is good in the sense of like, you know, there's, um, there's a company that removes like gang tattoos for free, people who want to like change their lives around. So removal isn't, it's, uh, I don't frown upon tattoo removal. I frown upon disappearing tattoos because to me, like you said, it's something kind of sacred to go through the process of getting a tattoo. I don't understand going through all that, all the pain. I mean, it's painful. It's not like the most painful thing in the world, but. Yeah, the only, the case that I could really see for it is you are a reformed gang member and you've, you've made amends yeah. and you're moving forward with your life and you're trying to help people in your community and you have like a swastika on your chest, you know, like yeah, that's got to go. It, and people I feel like in society should, you should have the opportunity to right your wrongs and move forward. And so that's the only place where like, as, as horrible as that is, and you want this, these people to permanently be identifiable by their decisions there are instances where people cross over and kind of get their life together and then have really impactful, you know, lives with helping other people. And it allows them to do that. hundred percent. And I think even still on the other side of that coin, you know, they might, if it's not like on their face, they might keep it as a reminder, yeah, True. you know, to like to not go back to a life like that. So in that sense, that's why I think the option for removal is great, but you know, someone might want to keep, Tattoos are always a reminder of a point in time. You can uh, look down at it, and even if it doesn't have like meaning, meaning. That's one thing that I've always loved about them is sometimes even I'll look at something on my body, and I'm like, I just kind of laugh, and I'm like, oh, that was, you know, I was 24. You know, that's like what comes to my head is like, oh, that's what 24 <laughs> is being like, and I'm. It's fun to be yeah. reminded of that. It was. It was funny you were talking about. Uh, people not wanting like a big tattoo, which I, I think you've probably, if there's a broken record, that's probably the one that you hear. Yeah. So people come in and they're like, Hey, can you do this? But can you do it the size of a penny on my, you know, hidden on my body? And you're like, look, it, even when I've gotten tattooed by you, yeah. I personally, I try and, <laughs> and this is developed, but I try to like have an idea and be like, Hey, this is kind of what I want to do. I'm not an artist. I don't tattoo for a living. <laughs> what do you recommend? Like, where does this work? How does it contour with the body and kind of go from there? And when I got, um, I got this tattoo on the back of my leg and I went to Jason, Jason's stores did it. And I brought him something that like maybe was the size of a card, like a playing card. And I was like, Hey, I want to do this back here. And he goes, cool. And he goes over to the printer and he comes back and he had like a 12 by six. And he's like, I'm thinking more like this. And I just had this moment of, yeah, I had this moment of just panic where I was like, <laughs> "Let's do a back piece." <laughs> oh, shit, I don't want to do that. Was like my initial thought, and then the other thing was like, "But why would you go? So you, you wouldn't go to a barbecue joint and be like, hey, I want you to make me some vegan chicken nuggets.' It's just not what they do. It doesn't matter. They, there's nothing that will do yeah. that the right way. And in hindsight, it's a piece that I love. And if it was smaller, it would have sucked. 
or you would have no idea what it is. <laughs> That's kind of the response that I give nowadays. I'll, I'll do something probably smaller than I should. <laughs> um, but I like to challenge myself. <laughs> I've, but I've gotten to a point where now like I'll show someone the design probably about as small as I'd recommend doing it. And right. nine times out of 10, the question comes back, can we do it any smaller? So now the response that I give is that, you know, probably, but you're going to sacrifice longevity because no matter how well a tattoo is applied over time, the ink spreads in skin. It doesn't ever like turn into a solid. It's retains the liquid form. So, you know, 20, 30 years lines spread the double in size. Um, so the smaller you do something, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. You're better off keeping it at a size that lasts as it should, as opposed to it's like you going back, sorry, going back to what you said about how you came with the size that you thought. I think that, you know, is important because I think what happens is people make up in their mind, like, Oh, I'm going to get this really tiny. And then when they see it, even if it's really tiny, they just something in their brain wants to see it a little bit tinier, you know? Um, so I tell them it's not going to be a small enough difference to, visibly smaller all it's going to do is sacrifice the quality of the tattoo how has the demographics of the people coming in to get tattoos changed because you've been tattooing now for over 10 years no it'll be nine years okay cool so let's start with like from the time that you're flying the wall you know getting sodas to now has has you have you witnessed a, a change in the type of person or type of people that are coming in to get tattoos? Not necessarily, because at Shamrock, you know, Mark's whole slogan was where the elite and the underworld beat. So it was a unique a unique place to be because, you know, one day you would have you know a shop full of bikers. And then the next day would be a shop full of <laughs> Jolos. And then the next day would be, you know, David Beckham walks in, you know, <laughs> or sometimes even on the same night. So it was the full spectrum of clients. And I've kind of seen it. I mean, it's changed in the sense of, I think more people are getting tattooed because it's socially right. acceptable. You know, I mean, for the money, it's good. <laughs> You know, more the more people getting tattooed, the better. But I think that there is a certain demographic of people that get tattoos because it's trendy. Because um, it definitely is nowadays. I think you're more unique not having any tattoos than being tattooed now. I'd actually be curious if there's a study on that, um, the percentage of people um, that don't have tattoos. But I mean, I've always seen like you'll have someone bring in their grandparent, you know, and that's happened for as long as I've been in tattoo shops, you know, so it's like full spectrum ages, you know, of all different types. Everyone's getting tattooed, which is a good thing. I think tattoos are for everyone. I think that, you know, whatever you like, I don't judge people on what they want to get. What? I mean, that begs, that begs the question. What's the most strange requests that you've actually gone through with or, or, or maybe you don't want to say that because you don't want to blast the person no i mean i it's funny i get this question a lot and to be honest i can't really think of something that's been that like out of out of this world that i'm just like yeah that's the one the only thing i can think of 
my good friend when I was growing up, his brother was a tattoo artist at a local shop in, in Colorado. And some guy came in one time and he was trying to get like a Hell's Angel tattoo. And my friend's buddy was like, dude, get the hell out of here. Absolutely not. Like we won't even, I don't even want you in, in here right now. And the guy was, he was, you know, I'm so-and-so up at blah, blah, blah. They said it was cool and they recommended yeah. it. I mean, the guy was like really pushing it. And he was like, not touching that with a 50-foot pole, dude. Get out of here. And I had never, you know, I had never been exposed or, or heard anything like that. And then he was telling me just like the inner workings of gang-affiliated tattoo work of any kind is just an absolute no, unless you literally want to get killed, right? So that's real. Yeah, get that guy killed. I've seen that happen once, actually. This guy came in and he wanted an 18th Street tattoo on his chest. And it was like, he had no tattoos. And uh, we wouldn't do it. And he kept insisting that like his wife's brother or something said it was cool. And we were just like, dude, you got to get out of here. You know, and... Because um, if they're going to get affiliated, they'd do it in, th like with people already. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have, someone would do it. That's, yeah. You wouldn't just go to a shop and be like, I made it. I'm in the gang. <laughs> but yeah. But one of the, uh, I don't know, one of the funniest, I don't know how to put this. I guess it goes back to my first, going back to my first night in the shop, you know, um, no idea, like really etiquette on like our protocol of like the process of someone walks in the shop tells me what they want. I go tell the artist, this guy comes in and he's like, uh, so I'm like, Hey man, how are you doing? What do you want to get tattooed? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I don't know what, yeah, maybe like something like an Eagle. And I was like, and he, um, I think he was French, French or he had a, like a heavy accent. So there was, there was a language barrier, but he was like an Eagle or something. And I was like, okay, well I looked, there's this big bookshelf and I'm like, looking. I'm like, I guess I'll show him an Eagle book. So I show him this book on Eagles and I, you know, let him look through it. 10, 15 minutes goes by and I come back and I'm like, Hey man, do you like find something you might want to get tattooed? And uh, at this point he's looking at the walls, all the flash on the walls. <laughs> and he points to this pink and blue butterfly. And I was like, Oh cool, man. Like tramp um, Where, where did you want to get it? And he points to his lower back and he's like, right here. And yeah. And, and I, like, you know, like I said, this is my first night in the shop. So I'm like, am I being <laughs> frank? Like it, this guy wants a pink and blue butterfly, like by his butt crack. And so I go, but so I was like, okay, I've kept a straight face. You know, it's like, I was very polite and professional. And I was like, I go tell the tattooer. I'm like, Hey, this guy wants to get this butterfly, like on his lower back. And he's like, for real. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And so they get the pattern, they put it on this guy's sitting there. And, and we had this, um, like board that had like, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but you could sit in a chair, you put this board on it, it would hook on the back and you could sit at like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. Oh, so for, you could, for, patient, for like, patients. Yeah. For clients. <laughs> for clients. So you could kind of be lean back, but like stable. Yeah. But this guy was straddling it. So his lower back was like out. So he's sitting in this chair, getting his pink and blue butterfly and just like smiling at everyone. He was the happiest he could be. And he kept asking, he's like, it's, it's nice. He's like, it's nice. No. And I was like, it's really Super nice. nice and it was, it was nice. Now, if he had said, is it like tough? I'd say maybe you want to get like a skull or something, right. but you know, he liked the butterfly and it was, it came out good and it was, but that's like, I'll never forget that story because it's like, you never know what someone wants to get tattooed. 
and you just got to be ready for anything. And it's, it's, uh, it's art at, at yeah. the end of the day, like whether it's out of a flash book or whether someone is creating it, it is artwork. It's just rad because you get to wear the art on your body. And yeah. uh, what what would that be called even? But this is like a very ancient thing. I mean, for for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years, different tribes and groups and people all over the world have been getting body art, permanent forms of body art, right? So did this originate? Yeah. Tattooing didn't start in Japan. Tattooing's been done all over the world, right? And oh, yeah. I mean, tons of different I pockets couldn't... for ages. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the exact um, date, but there is a caveman. Like one? <laughs> There's well, the, a famous one. A famous one that is like the oldest recorded preserved tattooed skin. Wow. Um, like I said, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you the exact like dates and yeah. ages and all that, but um, or where he was found. Yeah, it's marking your body is ancient. Um, I think ev almost every culture historically could have some sort of, uh, the word like <laughs> my train of thought just left the station without me. Um, no, we're good. <laughs> evidence. That's the word I was looking <laughs> nice. for. Like evidence Smashed of tattooing. Yeah. Evidence of tattooing in its history. So I think, um, and it's always kind of been like a sub subculture, you know, it's always kind of been on the fringe. Um, but even not, I mean, actually not necessarily, uh, in England or like Europe, you know, sailors would go on their expeditions and get tattooed wherever they, you know, would go, they'd get tattooed. Um, a lot of the time I think in like Polynesia cause they would, uh, you know, that's one of, again, ancient cultures tattooing. And so is that where the whole like sailor style started? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. That's why where the term came from. Um, but there was a tattooer, George Burchette, who I think he was English. Um, I'm sounding really knowledgeable of my tattoo history right now. Bear with but us, audience. He, um, yeah, he would tattoo like noble, no, like nobility, and yeah. they would get his little designs. And this is, you know, way back in the day. So it wasn't all just for... Uh, outlaws and sailors you know do you think that we'll, we will continue to get tattooed or, or do you feel like there'll be a like a relapse where so many people have been getting them and and people get sick of, well i mean that's stupid and again i'm talking out loud because that's holding true for everybody what might be true for a couple of people that are doing it for the wrong reasons like no the i think core uh, group of people you're, that you're are not, getting tattooed they'll continue to get tattooed what i think will happen is you will see it slow down because the trend of children seeing what their parents do and thinking like that ain't cool. Right. I feel like the popularity will slow down a little bit. I feel like a lot of people will come of age and be like, my dad has tattoos. That's whack, you know? <laughs> right. Cause it, it, yeah, it loses that rebellion aspect that you're like a departure from the family unit to go and I'm going to go and do yeah. this by myself and I don't care what you think. Yeah. That's kind of out the door. Yeah, it's like, I'm not listening to Steely Dan for the sole fact that my dad used to play it all the time. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's dad music. So right. it's kind of like that aspect. I think you'll see that a little bit. But then you'll also see the kid who's like, my dad's or mom and dad are covered in tattoos. They took me to get my first tattoo. Like, 
I want to be just like them. Right. So who knows? It might the numbers might stay the same, might see a decline in it a little bit because yeah, it's like everyone wants to rebel from their parents. So if your parents are covered in tattoos, you're like not gonna end up not gonna be like them, you know? Do you but, feel like that this whole all of this is changing like the way that we think about originality? Because when I was younger, I remember that I was always so concerned with trying to be original, which is so dumb, you know, and thinking I was, oh, I'm the only kid who listens to this punk rock band or only me and my friend listen to this band. You guys have never even heard of them. There was always that kind of thing <laughs> that you're just doing as a dumb kid. And tattooing to me always seemed like this place where originality just happens. Like only, you know, that artist does that style. Only this person has a tattoo of that style. But now, I mean, I can talk openly about our communication right I, i'm like hey i'm thinking about getting yeah. this and you're like cool i've done one of those four and there's part of me it, you're like damn someone else has it but then at the same time that's so dumb because everything has probably been done once somehow oh yeah right? yeah they say there's nothing new under the sun um the history of tattooing as like an art form with flash and everything you know people it's funny i hear it all the time people are like people really don't get stuff off the walls do they I'm like, yeah, they do all the time. It's part of the, it's part of it to me. Like to, if you just want a tattoo, you walk in, you're like, I don't know, that skull looks cool. Like just put it on my arm. You know, like it doesn't have to be some deep, meaningful thing. It can, but it doesn't have to be. I think that's part of the beauty of it is you're like, I just think that look, that was there. That guy painted it. It looked cool. Right. And all those designs, even if they are original, they came from somewhere. Even the first, you know, that, I'm sure you know that crawling panther with yeah. like the scratch marks. Yeah. The first tattooer to draw that found that picture, that illustration in like a men's magazine <laughs> and just like redrew it crudely and was like, threw it on his sheet and put it on the wall and people started getting it. You know, it's like, it all came from somewhere and it all has a history and it all has an origin. And I think that when people try to be too creative, especially with tattoos, you know, everyone always like has to make it unique I think you can kind of shoot yourself in the foot a little bit and get in the way of a, a good idea because sometimes if you try to throw too many ideas into one, you lose all of it. Well, so, dude, that happened with, with uh, me and you because I, I came in to get the like the tipped hat basically, and oh yeah, and you're like, dude, <laughs> don't do it like that. Like it's just so gonna it's look funny weird. It's that you bring up weird. that tattoo because I w I was gonna bring it up because you said like you know and people. When you came to me and you're like, oh, I've done that before. But like when I posted that tattoo, I had people email me the picture and be like, I want something like this. And in my head, I'm like, it's almost so unique that there's no other way to do it. So I'm just like, you got to think of something else. Like I can't redo that tattoo on you, you know? Right. And the way that but, um, that was another example where I was like, I want this, this size over here. And I want it like this with this hand. And you're like, the hand makes no sense. If you have a free floating hand, it's just going to look like the strangest thing and in the moment <laughs> the i was like hand. right but in the moment my reaction is like dude it's my body that's kind of what you think of when you're the the client going to get a tattoo oh yeah 100 but the reality is i haven't done a, a million tattoos so i haven't seen how bad it can actually look and thank god i listen to you because <laughs> then it turns out great yeah i mean there's definitely a give and a take right like that's kind of why i design with the client there because 
it is your body. Right. And at the end of the day, like I can tell you all the things that I think are going to work, but if someone really wants what they want and it's going to make them happy, like you, you took my advice and it worked out great. That could go wrong in the sense of like, if I give too much advice, the person right. like listens to me and then they go home and they're like, man, I really wanted it on my other arm. Yeah. Then it's on me. Cause I talked him into it. So I try to like, I walk a, th- a fine line of like, I'll give my advice and then I'll let the client kind of still decide what they want to do with their tattoo to not, like, I won't th- let them drive the car, but I'll definitely steer right. them in the right direction. It's funny what you said about the, the flash tattoos, because my understanding of flash tattoos when I was younger was that those were, those are kind of lame you know, those are what you get when you don't know what you want. Right. And so I would hear, you know, people would say like, Oh, well just don't get something out of the book or weird things like that. You come to realize that there's nothing more central to tattooing than flash tattoos. And then on top of that, it's not like they were pulled out of thin air. The artists made them. Yeah. So you drew them yourself, your style. It's almost the, the best expression of what the person does. Yeah. Or wants to do. I mean, you have to think too, that there's so much technology now that wasn't available even 10 years ago. I mean, when I first started working at Shamrock, we had a laptop that like, and that was new and (laughs) barely had Photoshop. So like before that we were, if someone wanted lettering, we were either custom drawing, you know, cursive or, if it was like a certain font, like we had like 50 font books, like we would take the letters one by one and photocopy them and like draw a straight line on paper and like cut and paste like the word together. Took forever. Nowadays you can just type it up on a computer and print it out and like warp it, arc it, anything. And even like the fact that people can find a photo of something that they might kind of want, like inspiration, you know, with like Pinterest, Instagram, anything, there's so much information available that back then all you had was walking into the shop and seeing what was on the wall. You didn't really come in and be like, Oh, I want a tattoo like this tattoo, but I want it like this way. Like you just saw what they, what they could draw. Cause all you had was paper that you couldn't, you know, 30 years ago, you couldn't print something out off the internet. You know, is that a net positive or a net negative for the art of tattooing? Do you think? I think it's positive because having an iPad has streamlined the process so much for me that, you know, if there was something in a tattoo that was like, Oh yeah, I really like this, but like, can we just take this one part out? Like now that I can draw it in layers and it's like, I can just remove it, erase it, redraw it real quick. Instead of having to like redraw the whole thing saves me, save me hours, hours of time, thousands of hours. I'm sure obviously your eyes would be better for this than, most, but it's got to be kind of cool when you see a tattoo that you know is from a different era. Yeah, oh yeah. I uh, I was like, a, going back, I was fortunate enough to work with so many tattooers that were part of history mm-hmm. that I've seen flash from, you know, guys that other tattooers like covet. And I've like seen like the original like drawing and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Wow. To touch something that's been that like, rare is pretty unique or to see like tattoos on someone that was done by, um, well, actually me, I have two tattoos from, um, this guy, Mike Brown, who is, he's passed, but 
one of my first years at the shop, he was in town and he is one of, he's a legendary black and gray tattooer, you know, tons of history around him. I'm really lucky to have tattoos from him. Yeah. There's like no one my age that has tattoos from Mike Brown. Just because and, you, you happen to be like at the shop while he was there and it yeah, while he was there. And, yeah. and my friend Wu was like, you should get tattooed by Mike Brown. And I'm like me, like a dumb kid. I'm like, okay. Like, right. I don't know uh, I don't know anything. But like looking back, I'm like, wow, like this pretty, it's pretty cool that tattoos can be passed down as history in that sense. Like, you know, when someone passes away, there's, there's no more tattoos being done by him, obviously. Right. But like to have one and have it live on through me and have his legacy in that sense, live on through me. Like I can show people, it's just cool because you have to think like, you know, you use like the most famous example, like Sailor Jerry, like how many Sailor Jerry tattoos are still floating around on people, you right. know? And there'll be a time where there's none. But like someone who has that tattoo might tattoo someone and then that story will live on through them. So it's still just kind of like passing on tattooing, passing down stories. For sure. Whether it's talking in the shop, telling real life stories or the tattoo itself, you know? It's kind of cool. That's always one thing that I've enjoyed about like of course you enjoy the art you know you get a tattoo at the end of it that's great that's what you came for but it reminds me of like surfing is a special place because for me because you can't have your cell phone so people that are yeah. surfing you're in a group of people that is not having their cell phone doing an activity so you're like inherently just part of this little club when you go and get a tattoo you have to spend the time there physically in the shop you without you know having a conversation with a person obviously i love doing this i like having conversations with people but that's a special time and you are for each tattoo that you get you get a little snapshot you know like you can kind of remember about the time and the place and when it happened and like what the shop was like and the other people and you're always in there with randomly other people it's just kind of a cool like that part of it to me is what's so rad you only get yeah. that if you're going to get a tattoo. You can't go and like have that experience by thinking about getting a tattoo or, or or wishing that you had gotten one or something. It's like it's only if you go and do the thing and you sit through that. Yeah. Plus the pain element of it is really cathartic. It's weird to sit there with another person while you're in like little bits of agony just kind of hashing it like oh yeah whatever yeah and how, you, about how you cope with it yeah yeah it's true i mean it is a unique like meeting point like every the things that combine to make a tattoo shop special you know and yeah. it starts with like the music the smell of the green soap and like noises and people talking and like you can hear a conversation over there and you'd be like oh i watched that i've finished that show last night you know like what do you think of this episode you know and it's just kind of like i feel like we lose that a lot these days like yeah. you said going back to the cell phone thing you know like it is rare to have like a face-to-face -face conversation with someone and tattooing is one of those things where you do have to be kind of in the moment yeah you can get away with looking at your phone and like i try to take my phone out of my pocket when i'm doing a tattoo because right. even if i get a text it's like my brain automatically goes like what what who's talking to me what is that you know so going back to another stuff well not back to you but another subject like i feel like jujitsu is one of those things too you can't so go i'm to so glad that you did the transition because i was trying to figure out how i was gonna snaggle <laughs> this i was like what's the right segue right? so well, done. I mean, well done. being present, being yeah. present, you know, like it, I tell people it's one of those things where you, you can, you could have just like, you know, 
broken up with your girlfriend or, you know, anything, you, even a happy moment, you could just like gotten a job promotion. You go to jujitsu, someone's trying to choke you. You're thinking about nothing else about how to do it except jujitsu. It's a and it's, phenomenal activity for so many. I mean, yeah. it's scalable to any kind of person size, skill level, strength, whatever. But there's a lot of just the endless amounts of lessons that yeah. you get when you stay consistent. I mean, the parallels in apprenticeship and jujitsu, it's jujitsu is an apprenticeship, right? It's a 15 year apprenticeship <laughs> it is. where hundred percent, you know, even uh, the patience aspect, you know, you go into it and you think it's going to be like, Oh, I want to get them. I'm just need promotions, promotions, yep. promotions. And you're not just going to get it because you think you're good. You're, you're not, right. you know, it, it's going to even like white to blue belt. It took me now, not consistently, but over 10 years, yep. <laughs> you know, and that was, you know, going back to the, what you were talking about with the apprenticeship and like people, it kind of weeds people out. Like, Jiu-Jitsu is very yeah. good at this because the majority of the time, how do people start? They're gung-ho. I'm going to whoop some people's ass. This isn't that hard. Yeah. Or like me, I was like, whatever, I'm just going to find out what this is about. I went in there. I just got my shit handed to me by a guy half my size for like 20 minutes yeah. and just walked yeah. out of there with, it was a pivotal point literally in my life where I for, I didn't understand who I thought I was anymore. And I was yeah. like, I got to figure out whatever that is. And that hooked me. Whereas a lot of people, they can't handle that uh, humbling. So they get humbled hard and they're like, well, this isn't for me. That fuck that guy. Or, you know, they get all aggro about it. Yeah. But only in the I mean, staying yeah, and the consistency, it becomes this special thing where you're really learning. It's so much more than the self-defense, you know? It is. It truly is. And I think the self-defense aspect of it is great because it's so practical, but the journey it takes to get, it sounds so cliche, but like the, just the experience of jujitsu, it's constantly being present and every moment, whether, like you said, like you, you know, you think like you just got beat up for three months straight and you're like, what am I even doing? Like, I, I don't, I'm not good at this, but then like, you keep going and then like a week later you catch someone in a submission. You're like, I guess I do know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know. Like there's ups <laughs> and downs, there's peaks and valleys, but like, it's just, there's so much that goes into it and so much learning and personal growth that like, it'll, it will change your life for the better. You know, like, yeah, you I mean, maybe not physically, you might end up with like some, your knees, yeah, your knees every back day, and your, your neck, your neck is you can't turn to the left or whatever. But like, I mean, unless you're like you said, unless you go gung ho trying to like beat some people up, like it's the serious injuries. I don't think are that. It's so common. funny you say that because I was sitting there uh, last week with one of my buddies at at the school, and I, he was sitting to my right. And I was like, I was having to do one of like to talk to him. And we were just laughing about, we're like, what are we doing here? You know, we, we show up three, four times a week. We absolutely love this. We're all feel like shit. You know that, I mean, push, push the timeline out 15 years. Your body's not stoked. Jiu-jitsu is not good for your posture or for your joints or no. anything, right? It's great no. for your mind. It's good for the self-defense aspects. And like, for me mentally, I can't not have that in my life. But it's no, funny I, how I slept in yesterday and I was bummed all day. So wait, how did you 
how did you, so it's been, you said 10 years. So you basically started jujitsu when you started tattooing. That, it's, yep. That's a good point because it's honestly what made me take breaks was my career. Um, and not putting the, I'm not passing the buck or putting blame. It was also right. me just being lazy, Fair. but, um, I started jujitsu in 2008. A buddy of mine had just got into it from a friend of his, this older guy who was like an MMA fighter. He was like, you should come do jujitsu. And uh, I was looking for something and he's like, come try it with me. So I went and I was like, I was, you know, back then I weighed still the same height. I was like six foot, but I was like 145. I was like, it took me forever to put weight on. Um, I think I was 19. I'm not going to even try to do math like, right now. Don't ask me to do the math. <laughs> you brought you brought yourself into this. I I'll start you counting said 2010. You're like, I'm like, I don't know. I think it's been 12 um, years. <laughs> and so I went with him, and it was this place in Hermosa Beach, South Bay Jiu Jitsu, is like the only place around there back then, besides um, obviously like the Gracie spot. But right. Jiu Jitsu wasn't as popular as it. I mean, I've from starting back then to seeing it now, like it's all over social media. It's pretty popular it was not as popular back then it was harder to find um i went with them and went for about i'd say like a year and a half sustained a few like minor injuries like you know didn't tap to an arm bar as fast as i should have so my right arm hurt and then i started working at the shop and it was late nights so i just hit a crossroads where i was like do i continue to do this and it was hard because it was like I was getting off before in the morning and then going to wake up and go to jujitsu wasn't, this doesn't go hand in hand. Right. I mean, dedicated. Yeah. But for me, I was like, I was just waking up late and all that and let that get the better of me. But yeah, I, uh, I put it to the side because I was like career in tattooing. I just put all my efforts towards that. And, um, then at about 2014, one of the tattooers was like, I think I'm going to start this thing called jiu-jitsu. And I was like, dude, let's go. So uh, I got stoked on it again and uh, started going with him and probably went for about six or seven months. Then I got appendicitis. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I and like that break just... He so had to have surgery. Yeah, like right. emergency surgery one night. Yeah. Um, so I was out for a while. Like, and then once just you get surgery, it, dude, it was like I almost died. <laughs> once you once you get out yeah. of the that once I got out of that groove, it was the same thing. You know, I just kind of started tattooing, tattooing after my apprenticeship, like full time, and it was even more late nights. You know, because it was like, well, now I'm tattooing, and now I gotta like make a clientele base and like right. put in the hours, put in the work. So I was still getting off four in the morning and the schedules just didn't work out. So I took another step back. And then um, that same friend, I just, <laughs> it's funny because I talked about how like, you know, it's not all about getting a belt and all that, yeah. but I mean, it, it does matter to people. It is a good feeling. Yeah. Um, so my friend who had started back then, I saw him get promoted and I was like, I can't let him outdo me over here, you know? So uh, it just lit a fire under me, and I so I've been training probably for at least four days a week since June now. Oh, dude, I'm so Almost hyped on that. That's so good to hear because I remember yeah. when I was there last, you were getting back into it, I think, but it wasn't like solid in. And then I saw uh, just on social media like the you getting your blue belt thing, and it was 
so much hype. Like I was so stoked on the video, <laughs> but also the video itself was so great. Cause I think, didn't your, uh, uh, yeah. didn't your girlfriend surprise you too or something? Or you surprised her? No. Yeah. I surprised her because I just been telling her, you know, like confessing my not frustrations, but like, you know, just like talking about like, you know, like oh, it's just good. Like I said, good days and bad days. And she was like, Oh, I'm sure you're close. You right. know, like I was like, all right, whatever, you know, I just kind of like had put it in my mind that like when it happens, it happens. I'd right. like, I was kind of, I was, I'll admit I was focused on it. I was training a lot for that goal yeah. and not that like, I was like now like, Oh, I made it like, let's take another eight years off. You know, right. I'm still training consistently. So it was like, I just like, I want to get to that point just to like prove to myself that I can get there yep. and continue to grow after that. And uh, it was funny because she had had randomly had a dream that I got my blue belt and, but didn't tell me that. So I knew she, she had been known like me talking about it. And that day I got promoted. I was like, I didn't even take my gi off. I got my truck, <laughs> my, my belt still tied from the professor, you know? And I was like, I just drove home and I walked in the door and <laughs> I mean, you saw the video. She ran out screaming, and she then she told me she's like, "I had a dream last night that you got it. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to jinx you." And I was like, oh, "Here we are." So it was just, it was a it was a real moment. Yeah, for I love sure. I love the shared excitement there. Yeah, she uh, she's super. I'm stoked that she's like supportive of me. Which I mean, it's, I mean that should be a given, right? But it's it's it takes it's a time it's a time commitment, you know, and having the dogs and everything. It's one of those things that truly makes me happy. And it's, I'm stoked that she can see that and supports me hundred, hundred ten percent you know? So it's Dude, great. I share that a hundred percent. I like my fiance, Lauren, if I had to, if every time I wanted to go to training, it was like a, a battle or a question or a, you're never this, or it just yeah. would, it would create so much tension or animosity or like whatever. And, she's just so on board. I think yeah. if you asked her, it's probably because she knows how important it is to my like mental well-being. that yeah. if I'm not, if I don't have that outlet, because even if you're technical, like it's a very physical output and it's, even oh, yeah. after, people say strength doesn't matter, but I mean, you try to hold onto a sleeve for, or just <laughs> dude, you're, 10 minutes, you know, like no matter how calm, cool and collected you are, there's moments where like you, that part of you wells up, like you're, you're fighting someone yeah, It's yeah. technical yeah. and it's artistic and it's like chess. Yes. But it's also yeah, you're fighting. a fight and you're trying to choke yeah. someone out. And even though they're your training yeah. partner and you trust them and you want that, you know, you don't want to injure your training partners and vice versa because that no one wins, but you're putting yeah. it on sometimes. Yeah. And that's yeah. a hundred percent. That physical output's very different. Like there's, you could spar, you know, Muay Thai or boxing, but it's still well, you, different. Yeah. And I kind of, I've gotten a couple friends into it lately. Um, and like my pitch is, you know, it's kind of unique in the sense of it's the only one of the only martial arts that you can go a hundred percent and not necessarily get injured. Like if you go a hundred percent kickboxing, boxing, you're punching someone in the face right, and, and you knock can them either out. knock them out or, or break your hand right. or something or, you know, anything like you're, that's like, you can't tap out to a punch. You can't be like, stop like a millimeter right. before your face and be like, yeah, tap, tap, tap. But with jujitsu, it's like, yeah, you could potentially break someone's arm, put them to sleep, you know, tear their knee apart. But 
there's a good chance that they're going to tap and you respect the tap. And that's like, you put a lot of trust in someone when you fight them in jujitsu because you're kind of putting your life in their hands or they're putting their life in your hands. And, but yeah, you can go a hundred percent with knowing you have that safety net of me. Like, like you got me. Dude, it's been, it was really interesting through the pandemic. uh, So I was training up at Macon in Santa Monica. That's where I started. And and actually, I started at Wardoom on like a Groupon and then was training out of Macon in Santa Monica. And uh, they closed for the pandemic. Then we ended up moving down to San Diego. And then I found Gracie Carlsbad was kind of like in the in the gray a little bit, you know, like through the end of the pandemic, there were like 10 of us that went every single week. All the time. I feel like Orange County though had um much different vibe. They weren't as locked down as yeah, yeah, as LA was. LA and was so a lot stricter. Was able to they closed down initially, but then they were able to stay open and it was kind of like an honor system, you know. Everyone in there was like we were all kind of the same 10 people each week. But what was really cool for me through the chaos of like the pandemic and just the identity politics of everything is that jujitsu is a unique environment where when you like step on the mat, you just ditch all your, all that stuff, everything. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter it's all gone. who you are, where you're from, what you think, what your like political views are, what your personal views are. It just, it strips that down. There's like not that many other experiences that I go through that yeah. is like that stripped down. And you're just there to like, just do the thing and shut the fuck up. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, no, it's true though. It's, it's, uh, uh, there's so many training partners that like, I couldn't even tell you what they do for work great. You know, or anything. Not, and yeah. not that I don't, I don't care. <laughs> right. It's just that when we're there, we talk about jujitsu, yeah. you know, and it's just, that's all it's about. And, uh, yeah, like all that's out the door. Like you, you know, there could be, you could, you know, spar with a hairdresser and then yep. the next guy's a cop <laughs> and then the next, and then the next person is uh, an actor and then you know you you have no idea who necessarily walks in that door but that's kind of the cool thing about it too is that like same with tattooing in the sense like it's it's for everyone you know yeah i mean i feel like everyone should at least take a jiu-jitsu class in their life and i I think there's i agree there's very few things that could stop you from doing it Mm -hmm. um like physically but yeah, I think that, I mean, I've seen 90 year olds. We had a, we had a guy 76, I think it was 76, get his black belt last year. And I was like tripping out. It was so cool. Cause they do yeah. each belt promotion has a, like a shark tank round. So if it's like, if you're going from white to blue, you have to do a 10 minute round. If you go from blue to purple, it's 15 minutes. And it's like, everyone in all at once so you're yeah basically it's like can you survive it's just survival there's no fighting back and uh and he had to do a 20 minute round so he did 20 minute round 76 years old that's impressive everyone was very you know we all want to see him succeed kind of thing but um it's just rad i was like no one's trying to heel hook him (laughs) right (laughs) but it was just it was like wow dude that is so cool that this guy's out yeah. here doing that. And, and you really do see that. You see whole age ranges. And then you see what's even more cool is like the dude who comes in is kind of like tail between his legs or her legs. And you see them develop out of that shell a little bit as they train more yeah. and more and build their confidence. 
some of them turned yeah. into absolute monsters. I know. And, you know it, it is, I think that's one of the hardest things is walking in that door because even, mm-hmm. dude, if I miss class for like a week, say I'm like traveling or whatever, I come back and I'm like, oh man, what did I miss? Like everyone's going to like, you know, you almost like, you, obviously you don't forget it, but it feels like it's just out of your brain and you're like, man, it's how do I get back into it? And you just go and then you're like, oh, I mean, it's just like riding a bike, you know, but, but it is, I think that's one of the most intimidating things is just walking into that door and stepping on the mat because you feel like everyone there is going to just, it's like, no one's going to try to, I mean, you might find a gym where there's a bunch of dudes who are trying to whoop your ass and like, that's right. Get out of here, you know, but for the most part in my experience, jujitsu is a very welcoming community and I mean, in any community, there's assholes, but I feel like, uh, yeah, it's just you, a lot, I think if, from an outside perspective, you feel like you're walking into like the UFC or something and it's not that it's everyone there. It's like you're there to shops. learn. You know, if you're yeah. not a, if you're a client, <laughs> it's kind of like before you go into that world, it seems very much like you're not supposed to be a part of it and yeah. you're going to be you know, everyone in there is going to be a, a badass, hard ass. And then you go in and, and people are like really stoked that you're in the shop and, and they want yeah. to work with you to like bring your, whatever it is you want to get tattooed to life. And you don't know that yeah. in, unless you just open the door. Yeah, it's true. And you Very got true. your, tell me about the day that you actually got it. It was at, uh, at undefeated, right? Yeah. So, uh, the acronym is UACTP. I think it's Undefeated Action Capabilities Training Program. And they had that's a full. They got like a gym there. I think. Yeah, so it's like a full. Else, right? It's close to downtown on Beverly. Um, it's uh yeah full gym, and then there's a few black belts that teach there. I mainly take class from Isaac. Uh, and the cool thing about what I really am stoked about is that he's still competing. You know, like all and- the time. So he, wildly decorated he's like no yeah. joke i mean the, he's won multiple major stops yeah i think i think he just won a gold at the la open and then i'm yeah. sure i don't know what tournament's next for him but but it's cool that you know like to equate it to even what i do with tattooing it's like you can i've taken jiu-jitsu from from guys who are og but they're og in the sense of like their game isn't going to change and you can still learn a lot from that, but it's cool to have someone who's hungry to compete and is like still, you know, evolving and growing and applying that to students. Because to me with tattooing, it's like, you know, yeah, you can learn something, get good at it. But like, it's, uh, there's always someone coming for your spot, you know, and, and you have to evolve and, you know, with the times. And I think that's a good thing is that to have that open mindset of like, that, that this is, I mean, I'm a traditionalist in the sense of like, I like going back to the tattooing thing. Like, you know, there's certain things that are sacred, but at the same time, like the world's changing and you got to get on board or you're going to get passed fast, you know? So do you have to continually adapt your, well, I guess your style is your style, but you do have to learn new techniques or new ways of Not delivering. It's more so like you just got to be aware of your surroundings, you know, like, like a traditional tattoo shop 
is I feel like less prevalent than, you know, there's a lot of like private studios now. And right. Like I said, it's, it's pretty much like, you know, you have to, I know a lot of guys who are like against social media and if you don't market yourself on social media, no, I mean, it's just a sad reality is no one's going to know who you are. Yeah. It's just a simple fact, you know, it's just the way the world is now. (laughs) Yeah, it truly is. It's necessary evil though. Um, and it's great for marketing at the end of the day. Like, like I said, you know, you'd have to walk into a shop and flip through physical books to see someone's work and now you can find it online. So it's super accessible, which I think is a great thing at the same time. It could be not a bad thing, but it can definitely validate people who don't necessarily haven't earned it. If that makes right. sense. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess. But then again, feel- if you're good at tattooing, you're good at tattooing. So. Right. So it'll speak gonna, for itself. It, yeah. I mean, people are going to get a tattoo from someone if it's, if it looks good online and it's not good in person, it, it won't stand the test of time. But if you're a good tattooer and you came about it, however you came about it, you're still a good tattooer. You can't take that away from someone. I, I used to get targeted for that, um, like learn how to tattoo Oh, like, like the school, it's like a master class, like uh, <laughs> how to become a tattoo. I was like, what? I mean, do people click? Everyone's trying to make a buck. Probably, there's probably there's a market for it. I mean, there if there wasn't a market for it, it wouldn't exist, right? Right. I know that Oregon, like to be a tattooer in Oregon, you have to like go to a tattoo school. Like it's like a, st- a state thing now. You have to like get accredited to the state. Whereas like here. All you have to do to be licensed is pass a bloodborne pathogens test. But that doesn't mean you're good at tattooing. It just means you know how to wash <laughs> your hands. You're not going to get people <laughs> so, sick, right? But wait, wait. Exactly. I, but I mean, it's an important factor of it. But at the same time, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at tattooing. Right. And but your work will People will discover so. that. Exactly. I was like, people will discover that. They'll see that your tattoos and be like, mm. Well, that's but, it's a lot of word of mouth, too. I, I feel like the with the social media part of it, what's so valuable is that you can just be like, Oh, you're thinking about this? Check this guy out, or check this girl out. Uh, this is their style, or you can send it or share it. It it takes a step out of the process for the person because you don't have to go, yeah. "Hey, Max, you want to get a tattoo? Go check out this guy, Max.com." Okay, cool, I'll do that, yeah. and then you don't or something. So it, yeah, it like speeds 100%. up the amount of time that you can see artists. But but before I forget, I I want to hear about when you actually got the promotion. You almost told me. Oh. It was from from Isaac, like on the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from Isaac. So because you didn't know it was going to happen, you just had an idea. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, so uh, it was it was crazy, and it's almost hard for me to remember because I was like, it was kind of surreal at the in the moment. You know, I was kind of content with letting that white belt get so dirty that it turned into a black belt. You know right, what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, I I had kind of set that notion aside in my head that like. I want my blue belt and to only to be like, I'm just going to keep going, which is, I mean, it's what everyone tells you. Just show up to class and you'll, right. you'll get there, you know, it's just time. But, uh, I, uh, I just kind of like, uh, I was going, like you said, you know, like, even if it's like, um, you're fighting someone, even if you're just technique and all that, you're fighting someone. So I just like woke up, that week and I was like on a mission. I was like, you know what? I'm not getting tapped this week. I'm putting it to everyone. And uh I remember seeing Isaac and one of the other black belts, Zach, kind of like 
hanging around watching me roll. And I was like in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, I just like, just my brain was just on that week, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, class was done and, and I could see something was like different. Like he was like, I heard him go like, Oh, do you have any? He's like, yeah, yeah I got it. I was like, Oh, what's going to happen. What's going on? And, but it's like, not like I was like, I psyched myself up. I was just kind of like, I was just paying attention, you know, like I, a trick I learned from one of the tattooers I used to work with was always just, you know, Listen. be aware of what's going on around you. You know, I'm always listening, I'm always dropping eaves, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, we lined up and said, everyone, good job, everyone today. And then it's like a belt promotion. And I was like kind of looking around and I had a feeling because the only other white belts that were there were pretty new. So I yeah. was like, I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just couldn't keep this silly grin off my face. It's just yeah. it was like with that. I don't know. There's very few things in life that have given me that feeling. And it's hard to describe like the, and I mean, it's only a blue belt, you know, like I still got so much to learn and so long ago, but you got to take those little victories. And that feeling was, it's just like, you feel like you're on top of the world when you like, just, just to know that you're like not impressing someone, but that they see that you're committing, you know, like your level of commitment and that you're, I don't know. I'm so appreciative of everything that like I'm taught Yeah. At, in that world, you know, like every little detail, every little work, like you kind of like what I said about apprenticing, like someone's giving you the knowledge that was passed down to them. Right. And it's unique to have someone dedicate what they've dedicated their life to, to give it to you and be like, here, take this and appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, it definitely cool is a, it is just a belt, right? You could buy one yeah. on Amazon. If you really want a blue belt, you yeah. can just order one. But when you get it from someone who you look up, you look up to your professors, you do, you see them a lot, yeah. you learn from them, you try to emulate them, you acquire their skill, you do all this stuff. And when that moment happens, it's saying so much more than here's your next belt. It's, Recogni yeah. it's recognizing all the 10 years or all the years between that first day when you went in, when you weren't really sure what you were getting into to yeah. getting hooked. And then all the injuries that you worked through that you didn't quit. And the, the other people that did quit that you started with, or that you knew along the way yeah. that stopped, like as you go through life and well, as you go through the jujitsu life, it's interesting because people quit. They they're like, no, it's oh, not yeah. for me or, or they get hurt permanently and they can't, you know? So it's this mix of yeah. like people choosing to stop and then people being forced to stop. And when you get that, it's a momentary recognition of all of that at once that you then get to like wear. And it, it is very yeah. like, mar you know, it's, if you like martial arts and you grew up enjoying that kind of stuff, it's, it's just cool because yeah. you can't fake that time. It's back to the apprentice yeah. thing. Like, you can't go yeah. learn under Mark Mahoney for as long as you did. That's invaluable. Yeah. It's incredible. That legend, yeah. right, of all time of American yeah. tattooing. That's wild. And you got to do that. Yeah. No one can take that That's from true. you ever. Yeah. And like you said, like the belt, yeah, you can buy one, but you're going to get found out real quick, you know? And it's yep. the kind of the cool thing about it. It's like, you know, 
the first day I had that blue belt, <laughs> I got tapped out by a white belt, you know? And I was like, right. what do, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, well, I don't deserve this belt, you know, but it's like, I can't take, if my professor thought I was ready, then like, I'll prove to him that I'm ready, you know, but it's just those things. It's like part of it, you know, like Mark gave me the blessing and green light to tattoo. It's like, he, he knew when I was ready, you know? So it's like, you might doubt yourself every step of the way, but like, you just, you, yeah, like you, no one can take away the time that you put into something, you know? And it's like, if it represents time, then that's, that's well, all that maybe, matters, you know? Maybe we'll close on this because this is a good full circle moment and it parallels uh, the jujitsu promotion. Well, what was that moment like when Mark kind of gave you your blue belt for tattoo? Oh. <laughs> like, well, how does, how does that happen? It, uh, so I had, um, can't remember the exact amount of years. It was a little bit longer than most my apprenticeship because I was still in school. I went to college, I went to Cal State Long Beach for a, I got a degree in fine art. Mark didn't want me to quit school. So I graduated, started working at the shop more because I was only there a couple days a week. And then when I graduated, I was there like four or five days a week. Um, so after about a year of that, see, so yeah, I'd say like 2013, one day, like, there's like a point where it leads up to it. Mark's like, Oh yeah. Like here's like, check out these machines. Like think about like what kind of like, if you want to get a tattoo machine soon, you know, like I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like that's the first step. And then it's like show, you know, Freddie would show me a little bit, setting up his machines, how to set them up. So there's like little steps you take where you're like, okay, I feel it coming. I feel it coming. Like I'm learning more about instead of just like draw me this pattern, you know, it's more like about actually setting up for a tattoo. And so then one of the, one day Mark was just like, yeah, like, uh, I think, you know, you'd be ready to do a tattoo here soon. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, when? And then it was like another couple of weeks. And then it was just like the next day is like, why don't you do a tattoo on Cody? One of the shop helpers. He's, I was like tomorrow. He's like, yeah, tomorrow works. I was like, I didn't sleep at all that night before. Cause it's like, you know, having Mark Mahoney and Rick Walters over my shoulder while I'm doing this tattoo. I mean, I was like, oh my God, I like, can only imagine, like, can only imagine <laughs> and it's funny looking back because it's like it's just it's so nerve-wracking but the tattoo came out cool i'm still proud of it being my first tattoo you know um that nervousness doesn't go away for a long time it takes a lot of years for you to be like okay this is the same as it was like, it, what the, like the, I don't know. Do you know the quote, like whatever it is about how many hours it takes to master something? Oh, like like 10,000 10, hours. 10,000 like hours. Yeah. Yeah. It takes about 10,000 hours of making mistakes on people for you to realize that you're comfortable tattooing. And I don't mean like mistakes, like no, you got no. a squiggly line in the middle of something, right. but like there's little things that you work out in your head when you're doing something like, Oh, and maybe next time I'll do this this way. And it's like that. So it's like, it takes time to, uh, get it right. But yeah, that feeling of like the first tattoo was insane because like it's it's an adrenaline rush for sure. Your hand is shaking. You got someone telling you how to do it that you look up to being like, I don't want to let you down right now. And then you're going to send me back to the, you know, the store to get right. you a <laughs> bottle of water, you know, like uh, I'm trying to graduate here. Um, it's like you said, it's like that 20 minute round, you know, it's like a two hour round of like being beat up and you're like. I bet you were all oh, man, sore and just look. like sweaty and, and like just oh like I was gone. sitting in the chair all wrong. I could like my like my knees were like frozen. Like I got up and I was like in a like 
a catatonic state of like i can't physically move right now like pouring sweat just like oh my god i'm messing this whole thing up at the end of the day this tattoo came out pretty good for like someone's first tattoo you know so That's i would so show cool. it off and be like yeah i did that one um yeah and, and then, then it was there it, right? i just and then in a way from there it was still like i could tattoo friends that lasts about like six months it was Free tattoos on friends. So it's like, who yeah. wants to get tattooed on like, a, it was like on Mondays. I was still like helping out the other days. So it wasn't like you fully just get thrown into like, now you're a tattooer. It was like, okay, you can do some tattoos on people, but you're still like, you're still here. You're still, you know, if I need you to do something, you're still doing it. Right. Which is fine. Um, Cause it's still like, you can't, you got to have humility in that job. You can't just be like, I mean, you got to have um, confidence, but you still have to have humility. You can't just be right. like, oh, no, I, I did a tattoo. I'm the shit. And it's like, no, you're going to trip over your, you're going to trip over yourself. You're going to, there's no way you can just be thrown into that and think you made it. It's hard to describe you know? to, to someone that might not be familiar with tattooing or Los Angeles, but to be at Mark Mahoney's shop on Sunset Boulevard, knowing just, how many different people and yeah, like just the people that have walked through those doors over time. It's a one of a kind, one of a kind. Hundred percent. So it's yeah, not yeah, like you're like doing that. this at like Joe's tattoo shop, you know, behind the pizza store <laughs> in like Nebraska. I mean, this is the eyes that are that you're talking about that are over your shoulder looking down. You know, that's yeah. it's like. Hickson and yeah, Carlos like are there watching you like do a armbar, and you're like, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Much, yeah, it's it's uh, people fly halfway across the world to like just get a tattoo from Mark, you know? right? It's and not it's like I'm trying not to just like name drop, but yeah, like you said, like the people that walk in that door, it's like if you were um, if you had the tendency to get starstruck, you'd probably be Bad starstruck every day work. in that shop. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You have to like treat it like it's normal life. Like you're just hanging out with these people and, and it becomes that, which is kind of, it's surreal in the sense of like you're, you wake up one day and you're like, I really just go to that guy's house. And like, we're just talking like it was nothing. And you like go home and you're like, this is a weird day. It's Hollywood for you, I guess, you know, (laughs) that's a whole nother episode, right? Just like the, yeah, seriously. Well, dude, Max, I'm so glad that we finally got on here and made this happen. Yeah, me too, man. Um, It's been a blast and we will, it has been a blast. Definitely have to do this again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. Um, definitely. Thank you, brother. Great. Yeah, thank